I'm Asher Miller. I'm Jason Bradford. And I'm Rob Dietz. Welcome to Crazy Town. Quick warning, sometimes this podcast uses swear words. Language! All right, guys, you remember, you remember, it wasn't that long ago, we had a a crazy town season. Was it season five about the false prophets? Tried yeah. to try to forget it. Honestly, that uh, was scarring. Pretty it, it mental was, scar tissue. You can't was, see it, but it's there. I know it was. It was rough. It, we just kind of went through the. We went through the mental ringer, and just when we thought we were out, they pulled us back in. You gotta. You gotta do it like uh, Al Pacino and and Godfather. Right. He, he, just when we <laughs> thought we were out, they. Pull us back but in. I don't know. Pull us back in. Pull us back in. Yeah, Something like that's that. Good. Oscars for both of you yeah. on that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank, you. Uh, uh-huh. thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's what happened. Sometime, I think it was early October. I can't remember exactly. This guy, Mark Andreessen, who I honestly really hadn't heard of before. If I had, it kind of went in and out of my brain because he's he's kind of a low-level billionaire. Right, he's kind of you know he's not a very high level billionaire. I'm pretty sure he's related to a share. Isn't this this guy your uncle, Uncle no, Andreessen, Uncle Uncle Mark, <laughs> Uncle Mark? Yeah, <laughs> no, he's but a Silicon Valley guy. I don't, I don't think I ever met the dude, but I know my dad worked with him early, early on. I knew it. Met him very early in, yeah. in Andreessen's career. Yeah, but no, he's not my fucking. So, uncle. so tell us about Uncle Andreessen. Well, what, what? The, the, the precipitating event was that he comes out with a manifesto. And it's called the Techno Optimist Manifesto. I think, and it, you, this I, think made rounds. I think you're mispronouncing that. It's the Technoptimist Manifesto. Oh, however two you O's pronounce there. it, Technoptimist. This really set us off. But you give us some background, please. <laughs> okay, Mark Andreessen, Uncle Mark. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> it's not fair. You're right. He's he's a piddling billionaire. Okay. Yeah, I mean he's I don't What's know. I think uh, Forbes is, has him listed at like. Under two billion, he, he's a billionaire. What's he on the list? What number? Loser. What number on the list? He's uh, he's one thousand seven hundred twenty-five. Oh my god! So he's the same level of billionaire as I am a hundred air. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. If he was on the ATP tour, he'd be like way down in the challenger events. Totally. Yes. Yeah. ITN. Maybe. Looking up and and wondering yeah. if he'll ever make it. You yeah. know, it's got to be it's got to be tough on him because yeah. all these whippersnappers, you know, they came along after him. He's early on, right? Right. So we're talking about a guy who. Helped start Netscape. Jeez. Some of our listeners might recognize I Netscape. A lot Netscape. of people won't recognize Thank you, thank you Uncle Mark. I yeah. still use it as my <laughs> web browser. <laughs> so Netscape was like, if not the first, one of the very, very first yeah. web browsers, right? And they were yeah. bought by AOL, so yeah. he made a bunch of money when AOL. Sure. Which I For still... People, AOL. AOL yeah. <laughs> we have yeah. to explain what AOL is. AOL yeah. dominated the, the home internet space for a while. Yeah. yeah. Right? I still use it. Dial up. Still, I get the yeah. CDs in the mail. My and- favorite is when we get emails from people who still have an AOL address. Right. Yeah. yeah. I fucking love Dot it. AOL. It's incredible. You know they're like 80. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's great. Um, Which is great. I'm happy you're still alive. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so you know, and he's been he's been in the tech world for a super long time, but he he's definitely one of that that generation who are not as well known now, but were very influential in the in the formation of kind of the internet, and uh, you know, he became an investor as this big VC fund, right? And I think he invested early in Facebook or whatever. Sure, you think the guy would be richer than he is? I know, only a couple billion, piddling, piddling, <laughs> yeah. So we sent this, you know, the, this his manifesto made the rounds. It was a very painful experience. There was a lot of near aneurysms that occurred among us. So I think we need to process. I think we need to go through. 
you have it kind of an intervention to kind of a, cl- a cleansing to get clear headed again. It really is pretty amazing because if it had come out when we were doing that season, yeah, we would have had to have done an episode on. Yeah, it you had to cover like, this. I, you know, he would have shot number like the insufferability index would have like. Oh. Killed over and it, died. It would have been. We have to have to like uh, level eleven on our guitar for him. Exactly. <laughs> <That's> what, I, <laughs> spinal tap guys. We would have had to pull him out. You yeah, know, that know. would have been a great little like you know like little little clip, little audio clip. This guy, he just took it's all these 11. other ideas and just goes to eleven. He went to eleven. He went to eleven with this fucking well, thing. Each yeah. each thing that you read in this manifesto, each point gets worse than the one before it. I mean, it just builds and it, it's almost like a symphony that builds into a beautiful yeah. uh, finale. Okay. So what we're going to do is that we, we each get to pick one of the quotes. No, when, no, when, I can't what, do that. What? What? Have you read the fucking thing? Of course we did. We, I read it. I, it said, you can't pick just one. Okay. So. I, I was going to try to pick one and I couldn't do it either. I, I was like, well, no, that one's even better. Well, when wait, I wait a read that this one's... thing, yes. okay. Yes. I almost lost my mind. Yes. I put I, it away. Yes. Your mind I, or the document? My mind. <laughs> you put your mind away. I almost lost mean? my mind. I know. I'm so sorry. I'm and so then sorry. I came back to it and I was yeah. like, okay, I'm calmer we now. Time. It, actually, weeks later. Yes. And I had the same fucking reaction. It's hard to get over. I mean, every single little bit, you just read through it. And it's like, what the fuck? Are there any 80s horror movies that if you see it again, it's still scary? Like, Rob, are there any one where like, you you know, you know, they're going to get, you know, you know, the guys behind the the, uh, the medicine cabinet. Like Jaws. Well, of course. He's going down and then the head comes out of like Uh the, the sunken boat. Yeah. I know it's coming. Well, and the, the and yeah. then it still it still gets me. So this is like that. The best horror movies of all time yeah. are from way back, right? Like The Exorcist, uh-huh. The Shining. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they, The they Shining still... when that when they the blood pours down the hallway. Yeah. Or or when coming out of the elevator. Or when like the scene where she walks around and sees like he's been typing. Oh yeah. All fun and all, all work and no play, play makes Jack. I mean, I just said my yeah. it, hairs go up, to, so to, I know what you're talking about. To like, our listeners, this is not a horror podcast. Seventies horror it podcast. Is. <laughs> Oh, this this one. is a fucking horror podcast. <laughs> this manifesto is like a horror show. This is the worst thing All right. ever. Well, let's let's just tread in real lightly into these waters lightly. of, of Andreessen. <laughs> I saw a line real high up in the manifesto, okay. early stuff, okay. right? Okay, early stuff. Where it builds on this. He, he says, and he, he's a name dropper in this thing, he says, we agree with Paul Collier when he says, economic growth is not a cure-all, but lack of growth is a kill-all. That's a, that's a one of his. Kill-all. That's one of his statements. So <laughs> I gotta I was like, calm down. Sorry, know, everyone. Our listeners are like, chill out. So I was like, who who is Paul Collier? Well, yeah. of course he's an economist. Yes. of course. Yes. You, you have to have continuous exponential growth. Yes. You know, I, I like the uh, the old economist Kenneth Boulding, who, who had, had to quit in like in the mid fifties. He's like he's <laughs> like I'm fifty five years old or something like that. I cannot be an economist anymore. They're messed up. Well, that's what he, he, he was the one who came up with that yeah. oft repeated quote like, anybody who believes in infinite growth is either a madman or an economist. Yes. Right? Yes. And so I guess uh, Paul Collier's yeah. in that state. But th- this no, one. No, he's not. A, no, he's an optimist. And you guys are just downers. Well, th- this one was great too. You, like, uh, Andreessen is an optimist, but he says this about universal basic income. He said, we believe, and he always uses we. Like, yes. who's we, sucker? He says we believe about 50 times yeah. in this thing. We, I didn't count them, but it's all over the place. We believe a universal basic income would turn people into zoo animals to be farmed by the state. Uh, Man was not meant to be farmed. 
Man was meant to be useful, to be productive, to be proud. I've read a lot of manifestos in my research on false prophets. I did the definitive taxonomy. And the, and so there's a whole history of false prophets. We prophet. went deep into Stuart Brand shit. Oh, my God. Yeah. Stuff, and so yeah. this was such a poorly written manifesto. I'm like, after all the manifesto writing that has been out there, you couldn't write a better manifesto than this? And also, this. who's this we? Is he it keeps switching between we? I and we. He just like, is there a lot of inconsistency? No one edited this crap. Anyhow. Well, he's too important to edit. I digress. Yeah, yeah well, what you you're talking about blood coming out of your ears a share. Like your ears turned into that hallway from The Shining. <laughs> how, how how what give me some some of your favorite oh hits from this thing. I, I'll I'll start small. Okay. okay. And you just have to stop and 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 just ponder the breathtaking audacities from these statements because yeah. they're kind of banal when you read them. But then you're like, wait, hold hold on a second. Okay, so here's, here's one for you. Okay, here's a good one. Here's a good we one. had a problem of isolation. So we invented the internet. Uh, that's why we did it. <laughs> and of course, the internet is not actually exacerbating people's sense of isolation. Yeah, right? I mean, the, like, I think the, the big thing here is the lack of nuance, yeah. as usual. It's like, sure, the internet has made some connections. I mean, I think there's a lot of people who did feel isolated, who mm-hmm. had whatever stuff going on in their lives. They could find others who had sure. the same things going on, have yes. a conversation. That's great. Yes. And... It also has the guy uh, sitting in his mom's basement wearing underoos, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, going down a rabbit hole and turning into a, a Nazi, you know. Yeah. I mean, you have like, you know, the 13-year-old who's now got dysmorphia because she's looking at TikTok where they have AI make right. everyone look like yeah. a supermodel. I mean, yeah, thank but, you for lack of isolation. She's not, yeah, she's not isolated She's not isolated. Anymore. So right. that, the, the part that you're you're talking about here is Sherry. He has all these where he's, he's saying, oh, here was a problem. And we solved it. Like, we had the problem of, of pandemics and we invented vaccines. Oh, I didn't know they got invented we, during the pandemic. Well, and here's, here's the thing about it is, you know how most evil villains twirl their mustache? Sure, yeah. Andreessen is just doing the wiping his hands clean. Like, he says we have a problem. We solved it with technology. And it's like it's done. He says that people were starving. So we invented the green revolution. Like, that's all done. It's yeah. all figured out. End of story. We solved it. Well, well, exactly. So there's a, there's a line in there. Give us a real world problem, and we can invent technology that will solve it. And you know what came right to my mind? If there was a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Check out the hook while my DJ revolves it. It's exactly that, dude. He's like uh, fucking vanilla he's, ice. He's vanilla Andreessen. <laughs> vanilla vanilla Andreessen. Andreessen. Okay, let me give you a few more, okay? I just love this stuff. I can't get out. I got an earworm now, man. Jeez Louise. I'm just going to go on for weeks. We're, okay. we're going to get sued just like Vanilla Ice did by uh, <laughs> No, no, but we're going to say it. No, he tried that defense already. Okay, here we go. We believe markets are an inherently individualistic way to achieve superior collective outcomes. So let, let's think about some of the outcomes that our markets have, have created by Well, they've, by priced, they've priced in climate change, so that's good. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's a superior collective outcome, <laughs> yes. right? Climate change, biodiversity loss, yeah. 
pollution run rampant everywhere. Yeah. Extinction of well, species. Well, I, I actually think Andreessen's pro-biodiversity loss. I mean, clearly just right. wants humans to take over every square inch of the planet and every square inch of space. Well, he actually has a line. He says, we believe in nature, but we also believe in overcoming nature. <laughs> yes. We are not primitives cowering in fear of the lightning bolt. We are the apex predator. The lightning works for us. Yeah, he strikes lightning bolts. Lightning bolts don't strike him. The thing is, if you if you were to like put him on a show naked and afraid, okay, where he doesn't have any of this technology, yeah. he's not like Tony Stark in his little suit as a as a billionaire. How long would he last? Well, that's his whole point. Is that he doesn't need to do that because we have technology. Because we have it. Right. So this is what's interesting, though. Is like you know, there's there's certain people who feel like they actually have to to be a man to be you know like a vibrant a vibrant man they want to be able to go out and be on the show alone or you know, like as a naked or afraid or you know, a, like make something with your hands yeah yeah so. yeah be, be do something this is a vc guy this guy just throws money at shit and thinks he's a god yeah this well, is ridiculous to, to, I, but he is a god. But to his credit, okay. I, I do have to say something that I like about this manifesto. Oh, I'm glad you to believe hear this. there's some. Yes, I want to. Let's, let's clap at it a little bit. It's what? we believe. He oh. doesn't say markets are this or that. He doesn't say. Oh, okay. That he he says we believe, which oh. I could do that too. I believe I can fly. Isn't that another song? I we believe could play? <laughs> I can fly. Wait a second. Okay. Oh, so you like that? We about believe that? is his kind of. Uh, you know, he's. Yeah, he's it's softening it a bit, right? He's, he's saying we, we believe. I mean, it. a lot of people believe it's all not kinds true, of crazy but shit. We believe it. I mean, here, here's one. He says we believe in Milton Friedman's observation <laughs> that human wants and needs are infinite. <laughs> well, it's great you believe it. It's not true. I've I've yet Our to meet needs a human. Are infinite. I mean, I haven't met many billionaires, but even they didn't have uh, infinite needs, right? Yeah, th- I mean, it, aren't these economists who we love always talking about diminishing returns and, you know, on all kinds of stuff? Oh, he's not into diminishing returns. <sighs> he's in ex- exponentially growing returns. That's yeah. what he believes. But what's it called when it's like, you know, the, the, if you give someone who has no money $5, it's great. They're going to get a burger. Right. You give Andreessen $5 and it's nothing. So what is he talking? Like, I, I don't understand. You're anything. trying to be logical. Well, he has an amazing ability to pick anything out that he's heard and accept it as as fact or some kind of underlying truth. Like he says, this guy David Friedman points mm-hmm. out. He likes people named Friedman. Apparently, yes. <laughs> he says David Friedman points out that people only do things for other people for three reasons: mm. love, money, or force. <laughs> Now, I, I don't know who David Friedman is, and I don't care that he said that. That's not true. <laughs> this is a bullshit. Sometimes I do things for you because I think it'll benefit me. Mm-hmm. I'm not forcing you. Right. You're not paying You're me. You're manipulating me. Yeah. Yes, right. Exactly. Yeah, so that's the fourth one. Yeah. <laughs> Manipulation. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cajoling. Of course. This Look, is what... you have an infinite need. You know, that includes exploitation of people and, you know, manipulating them. That's a need. This is, this is the best part, though, because he doesn't just... Say that uh, David Friedman's right, that those are the three forces. I, I love this quote. He also says, love doesn't scale. <laughs> so the economy what can only run guy? on money He's or He's right, because when my yeah. second son was born, yeah. I had to take right. some of the love from my first son. Right, zero-sum game, baby. And, and give it to my second son, yeah. you know, because love doesn't scale. Yeah, you know? so the economy can only be run on money or force. And then he says, 
The force experiment has been run and found wanting. Let's stick with money. <laughs> He's right. I mean, look at all those characters in Star Wars that use the force inappropriately. <laughs> it was bad. Bad things happened. Uh, here's another one. It's just like, I, I just, when I read this, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. We believe markets, to quote Nicholas Stern. You're right. He loves to name drop. Yeah. To quote Nicholas Stern are how we take care of people we don't know. <laughs> right. The, the markets are how we exploit people, people we don't know. Yes. What the fuck is he it's talking about? It's the opposite. About? In well, so many cases, it's the exact opposite exact of reality. Opposite. Well, but again, it's nuance, right? The, the market does help some people that are strangers to us. The market sure. hurts a lot of people that are strangers to us. It's like, let's look at reality. But is that Not- why we have a market? So we can help people we don't know? No. It, it, it's so that he can make billions. And then you got to rationalize but he's only it. But he's only like worth $2 billion, though. So I, know, I mean, he's, he's kind of he's kind of on the he's like over, I, I think he's like thousand something down there on yeah, the billionaire I think list. Some of it's this pretty is low. Just, yeah, he's, that's pretty low. Uh, poor guy. I, I like how he keeps talking about life in the stars. I mean, I think he's talking about in outer space, but he keeps saying in the stars, like you're going to have gaseous human beings living at the center of a star somewhere. (laughs) So, so much of this manifesto, right? He he calls technology the glory of human ambition and achievement. Yes. And that if we don't keep basically doubling down on technology, we're not going to grow and growth is death and all that bullshit that we've, we've heard before, right? He does recognize... The role of energy. He talks about energy. Okay, that was a high point, and then a high point, and, and then, then it low went, point, and then it went it went down very far, very fast. Right. Uh, so explain why. You haven't got the quote in front of what he says about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so he said we believe energy should be in an upward spiral. Energy is the foundational engine of our civilization. Agreed. 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 The yeah. more energy we have, the more people we can have, and the better everyone's lives can be. We should raise everyone to the energy consumption level we have. And then increase our energy a thousand times. And then raise everyone else's energy a thousand times as well. And then, okay. Right, we should. So we do that. And he also is calling for the earth to support 50 billion people. So 50 billion people all living at the energy level of us now times a thousand. Yeah. I think that really doesn't work on the planet. It's a good thing we can live in the stars then. You know, you're just thinking small here. That's the problem. You brought up population. Yeah. How's this for a fact in the manifesto? He he says that developed societies, there's a word for you, developed, are depopulating all over the world across cultures. The total human population may already be shrinking. Well, actually, it may not be. Um, yeah. If you look at the <laughs> statistics, actually, this is actually something you can look up. You can Google this, actually. Hey. So there's this thing called Google. So it, it may in fact, already. There's a, there's a browser called Google. It kind of replaced Netscape. Uh, you may not know this, but and if you type in how many people are on Earth today, and you can even and there's a clock. It. There's a clock. There's like a population clock. Right. It's like I, like I know it's going down, right? The no, numbers are going. It's down? up by three every second, I think. Yeah, uh, but oh wait, the numbers aren't going. They're down. going up it, still. It may be shrinking though. It no, may no, be. No, it may not be. I, uh, I think he's using, uh, he maybe using Netscape and AOL yeah. to look up these uh, so-called yeah. facts. And they haven't been maintained for a while, so who knows what's going on? Or maybe he asked ChatGPT and it just gave him the wrong answer. It started hallucinating. I don't know. I think he's hallucinating. <laughs> well, and he, you know, his his answer to energy as a limit is first fission. Sure. And, 
he talks about how we made just a huge fucking mistake not yeah. letting the the enviros or the people concerned about security and and safety you know sh- shut down nuclear he, power not, plants yeah, he's not and, big and, on that. and of course what's going to come next is fusion yes what's his take on sort of like you know some sort of caution with technology or sort of like making sure we can okay, regulate so or govern it this was this was amazing to me this might be my favorite part really yeah okay All right. You got to do the good stuff. The precautionary principle <laughs> continues to inflict enormous, unnecessary suffering on our world today. It is deeply immoral, and we must jettison it with extreme prejudice. Our enemy is deceleration, degrowth, depopulation, the nihilistic wish so trendy amongst our elites. I'm glad I'm an elite. Yeah. For fewer people, less energy, and more suffering and death. Because that's exactly all I we know. want. We've been calling we want for more that. suffering We've been and calling death. calling for that. Precautionary <laughs> principle is deeply immoral. He, he talks about enemies, right? And he, yeah, he doesn't, we are the enemy. Well, he doesn't list people. He says it's only ideas. But he's really, really against the enemy of put this in quotes, sustainability. Right. You know, like what an evil notion, sustainability, yeah. to to be able to live well on this planet for uh, the, the unforeseeable future. Just horrible, horrible yeah. thing to, to believe in. There's this interesting thing he has, this this dislike of experts, which is, is just interesting, right? Well, he so-called so dislike of experts, but he has on their manifesto, yeah. right? There's a section at the end of it for people he calls the patron saints of techno-optimism. Mm-hmm. He's got like 53 people on there. Yeah. Those are fucking so-called experts, yes. right? Economists and whatever. Oh, let me ask you a question because he sent me down this rabbit hole. How many of the 53 people, what percentage do you think are male? I would say uh, 90%. I would say 98. Well, out of 53, yeah, it would be like... Uh, one woman. There's probably Ann Rand or something on there. You know? <laughs> and what about weight? I, w- I would say 95%. Can we go above 100%? <laughs> you know, so you guys are actually, you're being uh, you're being unfair to him. I am. It's it's 89% male. I said 90. <laughs> and then, uh, depending upon how you define weight, you know, 92% are white. I said 95. I, I, I exaggerated. Now, if you- I am so sorry, Uncle Mark. If you decided <laughs> that maybe- Jews aren't like 100% white. I right. could do this because I'm yeah. a Jew. Yeah. Maybe you say like a Jew's like half white. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There you then go. Then it's 84%. Oh. Because there are a number, you talk about Friedman's. There are a number of Friedman's in there. Kurzweil? Kurzweil, yeah. Uh, he's yeah, I there. went to this whole fucking rabbit hole thing. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm so yeah. sorry. But those are, you know, he's got his experts. Well, he just doesn't like the other. Well, this is the irony. Of it's like, I mean, I can see this. Like there's this, there's a stodginess with expertise sometimes. There's certain fields like economics where like basically, you're an expert in something that's just absurd and useless practically. But, you know, come on, be serious. Like, we're going to build a bridge or we're going to take a tumor out of your brain, Uncle Mark. I mean, who do we want doing this? So, again, there's, yeah. no, there's no nuance at all anywhere. It's just, it's just one outlandish statement after another. We could go on and on. I mean, are we done? Did we, did we, well, I just want to add one, okay. one okay. little point. It saddens me that, uh, you know, he doesn't have the diversity in his list of so-called uh, experts on, on techno-optimism. But what really saddens me is we did that whole season. We spent a lot of time figuring out who is and who's yes. not a false prophet. We even had a whole taxonomic treatment over yeah. here. Yes. If he'd have come out with this a few months earlier, we could have just taken his list and 
just it would have helped. Saved a lot of yeah, work. a lot of research. Well, for like yeah. certain lineage, the ultra modernists. I mean, this is complex. Cyborgians. The cyborgians. I mean, he's got a couple of our guys on the Rocket Men. Speaking about the the taxonomy of false prophets, he's basically a cyborgian. Is a species cyborgian, and those are the folks that essentially believe in the ultimate fusion of humanity with technology. That's why you're called cyborgs. They eventually are looking for the singularity. So he does have stuff to say about about that. He, he obviously believes we're going to go into colonize the stars. He seems to believe that AGI is, you know, artificial general intelligence is around the corner. And we should not slow that down at all. And to slow that stuff down would be akin to mass murder, by the yeah, way. He says would, stuff it like kill that. kill people. It would yeah. kill, yeah. So anyone who wants to slow things down about any technical project is like a mass murderer in his view. I know this is a crazy thought, but do you think the guy is invested in AI stuff? Oh, my gosh. Unlikely. So, yeah. So (laughs) this is not about self-interest at all, writing this manifesto. Yeah. And all his talk about centralized governments and centralization and... I think taxes and government and all that, you know, like I'm sure there's no self-interest. In that, I, so in this is the other thing I don't understand is how these billionaires who who land in, and take off in private jets and airports where there's air traffic controllers who who get in their in their Tesla Cyberg Cyberg truck or whatever it's called and who drive on um, freeways with like massive layers of of, of concrete yeah. and who have traffic laws that are being obeyed. So and. Uh, you know who 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 drink drink water that has been treated. <laughs> yeah. Um. Who who have their sewage treated because they all shit too, just like everybody. 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 They're poops. working on that though. So how how do they? You know who who have a regulated financial system to some extent. So you know there's a reserve currency. There's a military industrial complex that sort of maintains U.S. hegemony. I mean. How, there's global trade agreements that allow for investment to flow here and there. And so Look, we can have a plant in Taiwan and we can have mining of silica in North Carolina and we can have, you know, carbon just, you know, just charcoal calm. in the Brazil all put together for the silicon chips. Like, how do they not understand this is the centralization of government you, and industry you, so that so that uh, how do they not get any of this? How can somebody just, just calm, in this position calm, calm? <laughs> It's obvious. We believe that we're above all of that. We believe roads are useful to some degree, but it would be better if the government weren't involved in that. Okay, season, but if he listened to season four of Crazy Town, it was all about the history and how, you know, how we have the Commerce Clause and we went through all this stuff so that we could lead to this apex where he sits on you, top and well, he's only a thousand or something I, I, like I have a feeling he doesn't listen to the podcast. He doesn't yeah. listen You to need to have a day in the life of Mark Andreessen and then find out what you believe after going through a day like well, that. Well, okay. So here's a, a I'm going to, I'm going to psychoanalyze the dude a little Let's bit. Let's do that. Let's okay. help me out. I'm sure he, he'd appreciate it. And I'm sure I'm, I'm you're going to have, uncom- next time you go on. like to Thanksgiving with him, with uncle Mark, it's going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Next time I hang out in Atherton. So let's think about this. I bet he doesn't believe really truly believe a lot of what he says what his stuff about centralization uh-huh i think he understands i don't think he's a dumb guy i don't think he's a, you know he's unaware of the role of governance and international agreements and law and all these things sure. like because he benefits from those things oh my right? God, right he's just putting out a dogma he's basically like i'm gonna tech bro the shit out of this right like yeah. we're getting people who are 
who are questioning technology right now. There's people that are scared of AI are reacting against what's happening. Look at the Biden administration. They're thinking about trying to regulate and sure. demonopolize some of the tech industry, right? Yeah. There's people talking about the implications and the negative consequences of so- social media and these sure. things. So he's kind of just trying no to push way. back. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? And okay. And that's why it's all a we believe stuff. Not There's no evidence here. I mean, no. he takes a lazy motherfucking approach. It's like, yeah, instead of giving you citations and references, right. just go read these people. Basically. And, you'll, and you'll be you know just I mean? like me. He it, says. You know what I mean? Because he can't justify and defend any of this stuff. And he, and he fucking knows it probably on some level. But there are a couple other things happening here, I think. Mm-hmm. One is you've got this perfect alignment. Uh, somebody we know and love dearly, Beth Salwin, who's one of our advisors and is a great systems thinker. Say your um, name again slowly. Beth Sawin. Okay. Elizabeth Sawin. How do you spell that? S-A-W-I-N. Okay. Um, and and people can look her up now. Yeah. Because I couldn't and, understand what you were saying. And because I mumble. <laughs> yeah. She runs an organization called the Multi-Solving Institute. Okay. She was a, a student and actually worked closely with Danella Meadows, who we've talked about before. Oh, so what does know. she believe? So <laughs> one of the things she talks about a lot about is, is sort of resonance and coherence between things. Okay. Right? Oh, my God. And that's how system change can sometimes happen and operate at different scales, right? Yeah. Is if things are, are kind of resonating with one another. Yeah. And we have a situation with Andreessen where things are resonating. His self-interest, financial self-interest, and his worldview mm-hmm. right, are reinforcing one another. Yeah. And the more that he has self-interest that believes in technology because he gets stands to benefit. And maybe he can climb up on that Forbes list because, yeah. you know, he's getting his ass yeah, kicked, right, kicked right now. I mean, geez. The more he wants to double down on this this philosophy, right? right? And and the more that he sees that he's benefiting from this philosophy because, mm-hmm. you know, his whatever, his investment account is looking good. It's sure. a reinforcement that his belief is right. So you have that, that beautiful resonance, mm-hmm. you know, that's happening, that yes. coherence. Lovely. The other thing I think that's happening is people are losing their fucking minds. People are losing their minds. I mean, you, <laughs> this we guy. I mean, we had blood coming out of our ears yeah. gushing because of this. Yeah, I'm going to wear these earphones for the rest of the day just to try to keep my brain but sucked into my skull. To be a little bit of both this sort of like fake machismo yes. kind of like tick bro energy to this thing when you read it, also like a doth protest too much. Oh, it's kind scary. of energy, you know, because I think there's a yeah. desperation yes. there a little bit, and I think the yeah. more you see people desperately trying to wash away the consequences of what we've been doing, like climate change and all these other, like he doesn't mention it once. Your your psychological profile of him is so much more advanced than mine. I was thinking he didn't make the football team in high school and he's still, uh, he got turned down for the the prom, you know, by his, you know, so look at me now, French class or whatever. (laughs) Um, I, I don't know. I, I also think there's an element there of what's called like, you know, the dark triad of personality traits. And mm. these are heritable, but they're also conditioned. And you know, like the, the whole thing, like the economists become more selfish and, and narcissistic right? right. <laughs> based upon maybe like, even, just going to school. Maybe even like Dunning-Kruger, the less you know, the more expert you think you are. Right. So, you know, this definitely smacks of grandiose narcissism and, you know, people in his position are very highly likely to score high in that, you know, and also these are related, you know, sociopathy and Machiavellian, those are the dark triad. There's a good chance, you know, we're reading his manifesto, but it's pretty obvious from the language he uses and his style and that a lot of that is probably going on here too. He's just got that going. He's got, he's, he would be a pretty good outlier in, uh, in, in these dark triad traits, I would believe. 
I love this stuff. You're talking manifestos, dark triad. Sounds like some really uh, (laughs) intriguing movie plot or something. (laughs) But I think, you know, what's also interesting is that, you know, in the season, we, we, one of our false prophets was William McCaskill. Mm-hmm. Now, William McCaskill is very different than this guy. I mean, they're, they're similar in some respects in that they are both a, this believer in tremendous progress and they're looking for technology as a sort of a, this like long-term savior. But William McCaskill is more what you would put in the effective altruist side of sure. things. Okay. Yeah. Whereas this guy is an accelerationist. So right. Well, can we just define effective altruists yeah. first? I mean, we did a whole episode on this, right? We talked about it. But maybe you could explain to listeners like, yes. you know, who are maybe this is new to them, what it, what it means to be an effective altruist. Right. Okay. So we're going to get into test creole now or something like that? <laughs> we got to be oh, careful. Man, now we're going to go into deep into acronyms. Maybe well, we don't have to go We got to be careful. So effective altruism essentially is looking at the idea that one of the best things you can do is make a whole lot of money. And with that money, make investments that will spur sort of human evolution to the next stage. And this next stage is outlandish. It is, it is this cyborgian singularity future. So the effective altruists believe in the long term of progress to the stars, of the fusion of humans with computers, the uploading of our brains eventually into machine intelligence and a fusion of those things. And it gets into the Ray Kurzweil stuff of yeah. wormholes and computronium. It, it goes out there, but you know, eventually there's trillions of human consciousnesses almost un- unlimited number of humans going through the universe. Now, the effective altruists, though, say to, the, t- say to us, but we got to be careful about this because if we're not careful, we're going to destroy the earth and destroy our civilization prior to us passing through these various technological stages. So they understand that technology is, is the way we're going to basically get out there and colonize the entire universe for ourselves, which is very narcissistic. But they also realize that it's a double-edged sword and we could kill ourselves off. So they're they're the ones that are like believers in the singularity, but are like regulate, govern, go slow, unspool technologies at a pace that we can control them. Don't let the AI go terminator on us. So you see all this stuff out there like that where these people are pulling out of these major tech companies and writing stuff in, you know, the Atlantic or whatever, New York Times, basically screaming that. We're going to kill ourselves off in the next few years if we're not careful. Right. That's the effective altruism crowd. Sam Bankman-Fried was in that. Musk is kind of like that too. But this guy is saying, screw all that. If you slow us down, you're a murderer. Right. So this is the schism in the singularity kind of universe, essentially. Yeah, it's interesting because if you think about what happened with with OpenAI, right? So this has been in the news, you know, recently and- Sort of the leading company in the space right. of you know large language models, and you know they they put out we we actually played with their programs, right? The, yeah, Chat GPT and, and Dolly, and- yeah, and and hugely successful, right? Totally. I think the when they when they released it out into the world, OpenAI, their their Chat GTP program, the GPT, GPT. I, so, I know it's right. so hard. They messed uh, up on that acronym. I don't uh, even know what it means. They, you know, I think it was the fastest basically the fastest growth of any business ever in terms yeah. of like users, right? Yeah. And they just had this huge debacle. I'm sure our listeners are kind of familiar with the story, right? Where basically the the head of the company, Sam Altman, was unceremoniously fired over a weekend or something like yeah. that by the board. And 
And then there was a power struggle where a lot of the employees basically said that they would leave yeah. and they would quit. And Microsoft came in and basically hired or Sam try, Altman on the spot. Yeah. No, they did. They and hired then, him. And then the board basically tried to bring Sam Altman back, and then they basically had a board turnover. Right? Yeah. So there was kind of like a – you can call it a coup in a sense. It certainly wasn't like an internal schism that happened within the company. And it's an interesting one. I, I think we have to be careful about those of us being – I'm certainly outside of this. Yeah, and what do we know? I just read some yeah. things knowing exactly what's been going on. Yeah. First of all, it's very telling and interesting – that OpenAI was structured as a nonprofit organization. Yes. Right? Yes. It was started as a nonprofit. Its board were nonprofit board directors. And the reason they did that was because they felt that they were working on a mission. And this is very much connects to what you were effective just talking altruism. about, Jason, with yes. effective altruism. <clears throat> yeah. They saw the potential in AI and technology advancements, but they're also concerned about it and really wanted to make sure that it was done carefully. I mean, yeah. I think in some ways you could say Andreessen's attack on the precautionary principle is not so much even directed at us enviros, yeah, right? Yeah. As maybe even people within the tech space. The effect of altruism. You know, who, yeah. are, who are concerned about that. But OpenAI, in a sense, was was created and structured as a nonprofit because they were trying to like kind of walk that balance, yeah. which I think is an insane balance. But like yeah. they're trying to walk that balance. And then they had a situation where others were jumping into the fray. There were other solutions coming on board, Microsoft and Google and mm-hmm. you know others trying to develop their alternative technologies, they felt like they had to run out with their product, right. maybe before it was ready or you know before they fully understood the risks. They were making tons of fucking money. You yeah. know, billions was coming in. And all of a sudden, there's this opportunity to like just go balls to the wall on this thing. Right. And and so there's this like internal schism. Yeah. You know, and we we see who won out, right? Yes. The profit seekers, the growth, throw the precautionary principle at the window people, they kind of won this battle. Yeah. And it may be, it's hard for me to, to really know how significant the risks are with AI, but maybe we look back at this as, as an incredibly pivotal moment. Yes. Decision point, because yeah. it could have gone in a different direction. Well, it also confirms Andreessen's point that uh, money is the way, not love. Yeah. Right. Love cannot yeah. scale, but right. money can scale into the billions yes. really fast. Exactly. Now, all the incentives are basically there for the business opportunity to be captured by first actors. And if you slow down at all, which is which is what governance does, right. then sorry, you're behind. So until we have the government regulate heavily, but the thing is, this is moving at warp speed. How is any government going to know what the hell to do and in any situation, hey, they got to go. Can you imagine know. Congress having hearings, hearings on this? <laughs> you remember uh, Ted Stevens talking about the tubes for the internet? You know, <laughs> right. like, imagine these yeah. guys trying to figure out what the yeah. hell this it's AI okay. stuff is. It's okay. Government is the enemy. Right. You can't get in the way. I actually want to bring it back to the manifesto mm. and, and manifestoing in general. Yes. I mean, what, the, the fact that this guy thought. I'm the one to write a manifesto. No, I mean, it wasn't I. It was we. Yeah, well, the we. Well, he, the royal we. He himself and him or whatever. But he switched back and forth a little bit. So I think I don't know what's going on. But it puts him in really good company, right? Yes. I mean, you got the Unabomber manifesto. That was right? one of the Ted, best. Ted Very Kaczynski. popular. Uh, those two would have gotten along swimmingly. Yeah. yeah what happens if you shuffle the two manifestos <laughs> together? And what do you what do you come up with? Well, Kaczynski's is thirty five thousand words long. Yeah. And I, this is a 
pretty short one. That yeah. Andreessen's isn't that long. Yeah. So Kaczynski's was called Industrial Society and Its Future. Mm-hmm. And of course, it was that it doesn't have a future and we yeah. need to it end. It has to be stopped. Industrialism. Yeah. Now, the irony with that one right now is that I was reading recently, this was soon after Andreessen's came out, that this, this Unabomber manifesto is really popular again with like 20-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And they're like TikToking about it ironically and and doing little one-minute downloads on this manifesto on TikTok. And well, this is actually just one what, of- Just what he envisioned. Yeah. That was his, well, his yeah. dream. Kind of was in a sense. I mean, but, but I, I actually have this problem with, with Andreessen's manifesto that- you can see the life that Kaczynski's manifesto has taken on. I mean, right. the, that guy in Norway who shot up all yeah. the, the people, he he basically excerpted from Kaczynski's manifesto, and others have too, and yeah. sort of warp it around. I mean, Kaczynski, Kaczynski himself was yeah, killing people. I mean, what, just yeah. absolutely crazy stuff. And so you wonder, like, Who's going to glom on to Andreessen's and move that thing down well, the road? Well, you know, we mentioned Sarah Pesson in our in our season on false prophets, and she has this system she talks about called spiral dynamics, where one thing feeds off another, and extremism begets extremism. Sure. And so the popularization of this manifesto of Andreessen's is likely to lead to a even further popularization of the opposite, which would be Ted Kaczynski. And Thank he, God we are not popular. This podcast is not going to help at all. It's not going to make yeah. a damn difference. But this is Thank what I, I wonder about is like, you know, it, it is, is more and more of like what you're saying. People are going mad. Yeah. Because no one can regulate this technology. The nonprofit that was set up that sort of had the lead on it just got blown up and to become like, you know, balls to the wall accelerationist, it kind of looks like. So you have people screaming that this is the greatest thing. It's going to, if you slow it down, it's a mass murder. And then you have... Other people who look like they're pretty much experts, like they used to work for that company saying, no, no, we're going to kill ourselves off if we don't do something about this and govern it. And then you look at Congress and you look at the COP meetings right? and you're like, governance? What governance? So what do you do? Someone on TikTok pulls up Ted Kaczynski's manifesto and says, you got to blow it up. What's going to happen? I just don't know how we don't just go down this complete, just zany scary time right now. Well, the cool thing is that we do have some groups and people out there who are trying to inject some sanity into these sorts of conversations. Now, some of them have their own manifestos, yes. right? There's the the Dark Mountain Project yes, that kind of came out with a manifesto. Yeah. I used to work for the Center for the Advancement of the Steady State Economy. We yeah. had a position statement on You didn't growth. call it a manifesto, thank you. Right? I kind of have a thing against them right. right now. But there's some other cool stuff, right? There's the Earth Charter, which takes a very ecological point of view of mm-hmm. how we should treat the Earth and one another. Mm-hmm. Countries are putting into their constitutions clauses about the rights of nature. Yep. That's really encouraging. You have, you guys remember the natural step? That, I do. That probably made the biggest waves. And all all it was saying is some sustainability tenets. So, of course, Andreessen would hate it. But <laughs> it was saying you, you can't continue to increase the concentration of pollution. You can't continue to use uh, non-renewable resources, you, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Totally makes sense and got some foothold. Yeah. But nowhere near... I think the foothold of these extremist yes. manifestos. They, so yeah. what what can we do 
Oh, well, okay. What to, can we do? I mean, we, we got to somehow yeah. get past uh, Andreessen and Kaczynski as the spokespeople of our times. Yeah, well, okay. So I took this on and you know, I went through a very, very difficult time when I read this. And that's- yeah, You like disappeared for like a month on us. I, I, I did some pretty big things. Uh, the experience of my life, I'm glad I'm back. I didn't know if I would make it back. Honestly, it was mm-hmm. that kind of dire- but let me explain the process because basically here's the situation. If you can't beat them with with like sensible things like earth charters and natural steps and these kind of stuff, yeah. right? If you can't beat them, if you want to remain relevant, if you want to actually get red, you got to join them. That's yeah. right. Yeah. You want to compete with the big boys, then you got to be a big boy. I'm a big kid. Look what I can do. I can wear big kid pants too. Pull-ups, disposable training pants from Huggies. They go on like underwear and protect like a diaper, even overnight. And I can pull them off and on. When your child is ready, there's nothing like pull-ups. Mommy, wow! <laughs> I'm a big kid now. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah. Let's put on our, let's put on our big boy pants. Pull them up, man. <laughs> Mommy, wow. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> thanks for that, Rob. Uh, I'm really glad, Jason, that uh, you're taking the appropriate precautions, using so the precautionary you principle. Him, you, you can't beat him, join them. You yeah. think every morning Andreessen's pulling Uncle up Mark. his big boy pants? I mean, I you know, when I read his manifesto, I, I, I feel it's about that, that level of intellectual sophistication. Well, they, it, you know, he doesn't have to go to the bathroom then. He can just focus, right? He can I mean, focus. maximum productivity. Totally. You know? Oh, totally. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyhow, so what did I do? I, I basically, I had to devise an experimental protocol in which I put myself into the same sort of frame of mind as, as Andreessen. Like th- this dark triad set of traits, you know, grandiose mm. narcissism, et cetera. How do you do that? So it was, it was quite a long process. It took me three weeks to get to the state. But basically it involved, I took, I took a standard course of anabolic steroids as if I was a weightlifter. <laughs> and that tends to lead to mania. Mm-hmm. Um, I was allowed to take cocaine every Friday night for 36 hours. Okay? 36 hours? Well, up to, I, as long as I want. It was sort of self you know, as, uh-huh. as long as I felt like it, you okay. know, um, cool. that was, that was, that was fun. I bet you had great ideas. While that was going <laughs> yeah. On. I watched, uh, rocket launches like SpaceX constantly. Um, I did think I watched Tony Robbins videos. Um, mm. so, you know, give me the power. Man, you could have written a good movie script during uh, this time instead yeah. of writing a manifesto. But the, you know, the, the, the key transformation, that was sort of like this, the set and set set and setting kind of thing. You really mm. familiarize that. I then went through ayahuasca ceremonies where as I was setting up my brain to change the ayahuasca ceremony with the, my, my, my sort of mantras and tenets about how powerful I was and how people <laughs> needed me yeah. uh, to, to, to write a manifesto that would change the world. I really, that, I think that, that was transformative. So that, that I did a couple of ayahuasca ceremonies. Um, and through this process, I was able to then uh, manifest a manifesto. Um, <laughs> And uh, we and I, I actually by the time this this is out uh, this podcast the publication will come out in our journal the proceedings of the Royal Society of Insanus Siva Siva Sivatum 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 sorry but the manifesto itself is striking because unlike unlike a lot of these manifestos which we were talking about they're often on the extremes yeah. I was trying to do this as a pro-social, non-sociopathic state of mind. So how do you get manic and narcissistic while still being pro-social and non-sociopathic? So 
That was my and being, challenge. I assume still being concerned about sustainability. Exactly. And, yeah. so and, part and actually of my, having enough faculty to put words on paper. Yes. And so well, the mania helps with that. Um, you can just write. <laughs> you were up for hours. Oh, my God. And the Coke. Um, so so that was the thing. My Part of my mantra was about like bringing it all together, like synthesizing, taking all you know, you know, mm-hmm. and bring it together. Because we can't let society spiral apart. Right. All these competing, very extreme alternative yes. you know, worldviews. Yeah. Yes. So um, I came up with a, a consilience as my goal. Hmm. And so the manifesto is about the the dehumanism manifesto is what it's called. De- dehumanism? Yeah, it's a fusion. That? Well, it's a fusion of it's a fusion of transhumanism and degrowth. <laughs> so <laughs> interesting. I brought those two philosophies together. Okay. Um, but in the process, I also brought in a lot of different philosophies from our false prophets. Uh-huh. So I was really trying to. It, 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 it's it's an incredible read, and probably um, it'll probably go far because it's completely mad. Wait, wait, wait. What is what is this? I mean, what is dehumanism? Dehumanism is this ability of humans to consciously evolve. So that brings up the species con evolver. Okay. But using all this advanced technology, yeah. such as, you know, CRISPR and whatever, and selective breeding, I mean, obviously the the complex affixers love this. Sure. Okay. The Wait, just get at it. What what are, what is this? We turn into basically humans that are the size of pygmy marmosets. <laughs> And um and because we have shrunken to such oh that's a level. the dehumanize okay okay hold, hold on a sec for yeah. listeners so not degrowth it, well literally it is degrowth. it is degrowth but I'm taking it with a, a literal transhum- degrowth with a transhumanism philosophy and transhumanism is going beyond our current state of humanity so our physical embodiment is shrunken down to the size of a pygmy yes. marmoset we, we yes. gotta but I don't think the average listener probably is familiar with the pygmy marmoset well, as the, an animal though the family the marmoset and tamarind family um are, are you know they South America, Amazon basin, there's about 40 species, and um, they, they can be quite small. So we're talking like, you know, 150 grams. Yeah, in okay. the I went to the DC Zoo, and they used to let them roam around in the ape house free. They would like come right up to you, and it's yeah. like... It's like holding a, a hamster in your so hand. So we could shrink yes. Mark Andreessen down and put him in the palm of our hand. Correct. And pet him, which is all he wants. But the idea then <laughs> is that if you're that small, there can be- Oh, wait. There could be so many There's so of many us. billions of us. And our ecological right. footprint would plummet. Right. Okay? So, yeah. So uh, anyway- I love it. I, I loved it at the time. The marmoset time. revolution. And, uh, but you know, once, once I reverse the protocol- Right. Mm. So, yeah. How did you come back to us? Because you don't seem like a well, insane steroid using coke sniffing. This was <laughs> I mean, right now. Talk about a whiplash. Um, I mean, <laughs> to go from that state of mind. Well, a whole other set of of sort of tenets and mantras. You know, I stopped the coke. I stopped the steroids. Mm. I stopped watching the Tony Robbins videos, et cetera, et cetera. I started watching nature videos, and uh-huh. I listened to Robin Wall Kimmerer reader book, Brady Sweetgrass, and Mr. Rogers was very popular <laughs> video series for me, and uh-huh. and so I had a whole other set of reversals with another another ayahuasca ceremony with my new set of tenants. I you know realizing we are just one tiny tidbit of speck in the universe that is thirteen point eight billion years old, and we're going to die. All of us are going to die. And eventually, you know, what does it all mean, really? You know, just just be in awe that you're here in love, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that kind of reset me, you know, sort of the opposite of Andreessen in many ways, right? Love doesn't scale, according to him. So yeah. love, was, love was scaling so for you went me. through a real Jekyll and Hyde or like uh, the Hulk 
Yes, kind of Mark uh, Russo, whatever his name is. No, no, no. What was Ruffalo? Bruce Ruffalo. Mark Bruce Ruffalo. Banner. Right? Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner. Hulk yeah. kind yeah. of transformation back. Completely, yeah. completely. So, wow. Anyway, the paper's out soon. Uh, it's out by the time this podcast comes out. So I'm, I'm worried though. This manifesto may be too good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, unlikely. <laughs> well, I, I think we should propose to Andreessen that he, he funds, you know, I think you're starting a new program, right? That Yes. So yeah. I'm very happy to announce I'm the new program director of a new program at Post Carbon Institute. It's called the Transdisciplinary Institute for False Prophet Study and Evolution. Hmm. So I'm the tipsy program director. Got it. And uh, yeah. we're looking for funding. How big is Andreessen's? Um, He's got 1.8 billion. But how big is his oh, fund? His fund? Oh, I don't know. 35 billion. Yeah, 35 billion. billion. So I figure we gotta we gotta scale because there's a thing called Brand Brandolini's law, hmm. which says that to counter every a bullshit it takes 10 times as much effort. Right. So our goal is so to we raise need 350 billion. 350 billion. Right, and then well, we could, we pour that into into basically dehumanizing, you know, shrinking ourselves. I, right? So I, I, you know, now that I'm not. Completely bad. Can, we, can we hire the director of the that that documentary film series, Honey? I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> yeah, I, maybe you can help. Yeah, I think instead of asking for money, you should be asking for love because that can scale. Thank you, Rob. That is so <laughs> sweet. Every decision I've ever made in my entire life has been wrong. <laughs> My life is the complete opposite of everything I want it to be. If every instinct you have is wrong, then the opposite would have to be right. Well, so we know we got to get past the extremism, despite your manifesto, Jason. I think even you, coming down from your experience, can admit that uh, maybe that's a little extremist as no, well. No, it's just horrible. It's absolutely the – that's what I'm afraid I put you, it out you'd there. You'd be it's really just, cute as a marmoset. Thank that, you. You uh, are too, Rob. So we're being serious now? So, yeah, yeah. what I would like to talk about okay. is – if we're not in an Andreessen camp, we're not in a Ted Kaczynski, let's blow up our neighbors camp, like what are we doing to cope with the uncertainty that's in front of us? What are we doing to deal with the challenges of, of the unraveling that's that's coming? And I, I think you can just start with with daily practices. Because uh, one of the things, you got to get a habit that allows you to not fall into staring at this stuff too much. Never read the news. Yeah. It might be the first well, uh, that's not far off. I mean, I think of it as like distraction. It should be healthy distraction. Okay. You know, maybe don't fill your time with shopping and, and right. uh, being on social media Spiffy accounts. Coke. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, there are some valuable, dis- like I like to use bicycling as a distraction, sure. for example. Yeah. Have have nice hobbies. That well, Jason, you bird, right? I love birding. Exactly. I go out, it just totally resets, you know. Uh, yeah. 110 species last month. I was pretty happy about that. I also think finding some kind of mindfulness practice is useful. It's not necessarily the easiest thing to do. I've kind of had on and off again relationships with with trying to learn how to meditate. But mm-hmm. seriously, what you were saying about, uh, you were joking about resetting yourself and seeing the world with awe and beauty, and it's amazing that I'm even here. That's kind of the state you're trying to yes. to get to with, yes. with with those kinds of daily practices. So I think it's it's worth doing. This is going to sound hypocritical because in our season on false prophets and and with this this conversation we've had about it in recent, we're 
being kind of dicks. I know. Right? So for me to say this sounds a little hypocritical. We're punching up, by the way, guys. Yes. This is what we're doing. So, we don't have $350 billion in the yeah. in the new program. Um, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> I think it's it, it sounds, maybe sounds kumbaya, but practicing compassion and empathy and caring and giving and reciprocity and kinship you know, as often as we can, trying mm-hmm. to practice that on a daily basis. And in fact, I think it's important for us to have empathy with people who are turning towards what we view as false or dangerous responses to what we're dealing with. Because yeah. the truth of the matter is, you know, sometimes I think about this, uh, you know, they say if you're nervous giving a public presentation, you imagine people in the audience in their underwear or something like sure. that. I often imagine people as little kids. Yeah, in onesies. <laughs> in their pull-ups. <laughs> yeah. um, because at the end of the day, we're all operating on some basic level, you know, as as beings with with the fears and the awe and the emotions or whatever – of just living beings like little kids. Yeah. And I think that that's a lot of the energy that goes into people resorting to things, to tribalism, to yelling each other down on things. It's because we're scared, we're concerned, we Mm -hmm. care. Yeah. Well, I'll give you a little credit there. I mean, despite your gruff exterior and your uh, aneurysms from reading Andreessen's manifesto and your wanting to make a a pinata that looks like him and hit it with a baseball bat or whatever you're thinking of. I think it all comes from a place of it's so frustrating because he's putting out there in a very large public forum ideas that are exactly the opposite of, of what we need. And you just get so mad, but it's from a place of compassion, from a place of caring, from a place of wanting your kids to inherit a a habitable world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm not going to spend my time writing love letters to Mark Andreessen, but I do think that in our daily lives that we operate, it's yeah. trying to step back in situations because we can all. I mean, I agree with what you said, Jason. Is that is I see people spinning out. Mm-hmm. You know, I find myself spinning out often. I mean, as we're recording this, there are thousands of people who have burned god knows how many tons of hydrocarbons to fly to fucking dubai yes to talk about how to solve the climate crisis they have a sustainable hosted by yeah. an oil state and they have a sustainable yachting program right um <laughs> and they're all going to go ski and ski dubai yeah that stuff is like absolutely yeah. maddening yeah you know and so it's so easy for us to, to all spin out i'm really worried about that but i think that we have to practice not only self-care but but recognize that other people are going through oh, I know. You know, all kinds of stuff as as things unravel and if we don't show that empathy we're just going to fall back into these 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 camps where we're yelling at each other i'm pretty weak on the idea that there's free will i know richard heinberg had a yeah, yeah. had a piece about that recently I, I kind of agree with that i i i'm really doubtful about it so it does help me when i go well that guy or whoever i'm looking at who's doing something that is kind of driving me crazy what happened to them like what's their history okay it sounds like judgmental like what happened to you but it, it's it's better than what's wrong with you it's more like What's the history that led you to this place to make this choices, to have this behavior? And if there's no free will, if we're all just products of like whatever genetic makeup our parents, you know, smashed together and and the, the environment we grew up in. And and for gosh sakes, if you grew up in late 20th, early 21st century, you can see how you could become a techno optimist. I mean, it's crazy what's going on. 
you can see given the media environment and all the self-interest there is of just keeping this going and promoting it, you could see how that could happen. Yeah. And uh, and we're the we're the rare ones. We're the rare ones who are like not buying into all that crap. So I get it in some ways. I get it. I think it, it helps to have other people though that get it too. Well, there's there's one other thought that I have that I think might help our listeners. I know it helps me. And it's, you know, you said we're the rare ones who are who are seeing this for what it is and are really concerned. There's a problem with that because when you go out in the world and you try to talk about this with someone, you know, I, I joke the chair of the wet blanket society. Yeah. Like let's say you go to a, a family holiday reunion. Yeah. And you're you're kind of trying to tell people, well, I don't think we should do this. We shouldn't fly because of climate, because you know, it's like yeah. you're the poo-pooing you know, nightmare of the family. Yes, and I, it, I have been that. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's really hard to, aside from having to change plans, but even just talk about it, you yeah. know, to to share your concerns. And so I think one of the most important things, like that's what we do on this show. The three of us get a chance to air our grievances, to say what's in our hearts, to confide in one another with these problems. And uh, I think if you can find people in your life to do that with, if you can cultivate some friendships where it becomes safe to talk about these unsafe topics that yeah. that bum almost everybody out, can be pretty therapeutic and a a very useful thing to seek out. I think people have a hard time finding that. I'd be, I'd be interested to hear from our listeners if they feel kind of alone with all this stuff. We have heard from listeners that part of the reason that they actually listen to this podcast because it helps them not feel quite so alone because yeah. us idiots are speaking <laughs> about things that they can relate to. So I think it's hard. And sometimes I think, like for me, I try to in some ways protect people that I care yes. about from this stuff. I carry it for them in a sense. Because it's hard. It's hard to carry this. We talk about it as toxic knowledge sometimes. It's hard to carry that. But there are people out there who are trying to live in this space that, that I think we're trying to inhabit. And, you know, you joked about dehumanism as being this merging of transhumanism and degrowth, right? But behind that joke is this this desire to find some, I don't know if it's a middle way, but right. it's it's finding our way through this where... We're not actually saying all the quote-unquote progress and gains that we've had over the last few centuries of industrialization should go away. Right. Do you know what I mean? But let's keep the things that are, really matter and jettison the ones that are actually putting us on this course. And and there are other people that I think are trying to figure that out too and muddle through. Mm-hmm. We at Post Carbon, you know, we have this website, resilience.org, and we're actually been hard at work at trying to figure out how do we create a space for people. A lot of our readers, I think, come to Resilience – Thousands of them every day, I think, are struggling with some of these questions. And and we've heard it again and again from people that when they've, even on webinars that we've hosted, people chatting with one yeah. another and then people wanting to connect yeah. afterwards, people are hungry for that kind of connection, maybe because they don't have it in their own communities. So we're hoping that there's a, an opportunity for us to to play a role in, in making some of those connections. And, and that's one of the advantages of technology that we have right now is- yeah. I don't know how long it will last, but there's a way of creating community that really is global in many cases. And I've I've been lucky enough in my work at Post Carbon to meet amazing people that I will never meet in person. Right. But I've gotten to know through the course of doing this work who I absolutely feel like are part of my kind of family. Yeah. You know? It is amazing. And I want that for, for everybody because if we don't have that, we are 
So, we're going to turn it to Andreessen. Or- so what I heard is, from you is that we believe technology is the solution. Yes, exactly. That's to, it. To you, you brought it right back. <laughs> well, I also, I know I brought up this topic of cultivate relationships with friends, but fuck that. I'm going to go write a uh, manifesto and outcompete your dehumanist one. Oh, good luck, buddy. <laughs> That's our show. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard and you want others to consider these issues, then please share Crazy Town with your friends. Hit that share button in your podcast app or just tell them face to face. Maybe you can start some much needed conversations and do some things together to get us out of Crazy Town. Thanks again for listening and sharing.